Hi, my name's Christina, and I've been having sex for a while, but I'm always worried I'm not any good at it. So I talked to a sex therapist who told me a lot of people actually feel the same way. They just don't talk about it. So here I am talking about it. The Best Is Yet To Come is here to celebrate and normalize sex and pleasure in all its beautiful forms. Without further ado, let's start the episode. My guest today is Emily. They're a West Coast poet slash cartoonist who has lived in three different countries and recommends snacks from all of them. How are you doing today, Emily? I am so jazzed to be here. Ah, I'm so glad. Before we get started, can you tell me your pronouns? Uh, my pronouns are she, her. Okay, great. So tell me, what is the best sex you've ever had? So the best sex I've ever had was, I wouldn't say it was like the, like, one one sex it was not one one sex it was like um uh, my current partner how we had just sort of like reunited like still as friends and then we like hooked up and this hookup sort of was like a 24 hour just like marathon (laughs) just like have sex and then like go like sightseeing like because we were in Japan and we were like you know wandering around so like have sex go sightseeing or like meet up with some other people and then like sneak away and have more sex and then like go back and like do something else and then like take a break and have more sex it was just like constant and like even through the middle of the night it was just like we'd wake up and be like all right, we're doing this. And then doing it was absolutely wild. So that was the best sex. The best sex, the best sex is sexes. Sexes, is the best sexes. Many sexes. Yeah, many that's, sexes. That's great. That sounds so hot. Also, if, if I recall, you were living in Japan at the time, right? Yes, yes. Okay, I, I was going to say it's, it's always like really fun to have sex on vacation. Oh, yeah. Um, and be somewhere new and different. So I yeah. guess you were you were living there. Well, I, my next question was, what was your relationship to the person you had it with? So you said you guys were not dating at that point. You guys were just friends? Yeah, we had been like friends for like years previously. And then Alex came to Japan to like visit me and be, was like, it was for him, it was like a graduation trip. And I was like, well, I'm living here. And another one of his friends just happened to be living very close to me as well, though we had like never interacted. Although we had like met, seen each other at a club, which was what a small world. Um, so we came to visit. And we were both like, yeah, we're just friends. We're just friends. And then we were not. We were not just friends. Okay, wait, I got to know, where where did your relationship breach the friend zone into the bone zone? Was it like, did he, okay, before he came, did you guys knew? Did you guys know you guys were going to fuck? I think I was convinced that we were just like, just friends. So to like back it up, like way, 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 way back. When I first met him, I was doing my exchange year in the UK where he was going to school. Mm-hmm. And he was the um, secretary, I think, of the club that I joined. And when I saw him and when I first like spoke to him, I was like, wow, this person is so cool. I have a massive crush on them, but they will never, ever think of me like that. Cause he also had a girlfriend at the time. And also I'm too shy. So I'm just like, never gonna talk to him ever. Um, so I had this like really big crush on this guy and then I sort of left the UK was like, well, I guess I'll never see him again. And we still sort of kept in touch through, um, like Facebook messenger and just like would just out of the blue kind of chat every now and then. And then I think it was 
fast forward a couple years later, I was in Japan and then he reached out and was like, hey, you know, I'm graduating, I need something to do. And I was like, well, you know, you should come and visit me in Japan, not because I have a giant crush on you, but because I would just like, like to see you because in my head, I was still just like, we're just friends, we'll be friends forever. But I Wait, think so he, the crush had survived. The crush had survived. Like when I talked about him to like other people, because he was um he was doing his PhD in comics. So I would tell people like, oh, this friend of mine in the UK is like doing a PhD in comics. And like this friend of mine, I just will always be in like 10% in love with him. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. So I was like, I was already primed for it, let's say. Um, but then I think as um, we video chatted before he came to Japan, just to like, you know, lay out the plans and be like, oh, what do you want to see? What do you want to do? And like, you know, is there anything you want to like specifically want to go see? And he tells me that in this conversation that we had on video, I was wearing like this tank top because as you know, it is like hot as fuck in Asia. Oh yeah. In the summer and you're just like, oh, it's 40 degrees, a hundred percent humidity. And I just want to like die. Yeah. Uh, so I was wearing this tank top in my room and he, he's, he tells me that, um, I was wearing this tank top and I had like sort of shrugged my shoulders a little bit or something. And he was like, wow, I never noticed, but Emily's actually really pretty or something. <laughs> what? And we, um, and then he came to visit and we were like flirting and talking and flirting. And then we were in, I think it was like our second stop in Himeji. We're like walking back from the train station to our hostel. And it was like, I just want you to know that I'm really attracted to you right now. And I was like, so oh. what are you going to do about it? Uh and then he was like, oh. nothing for now. What? Like she was like, I'm not gonna do anything because we're just friends. I was like, yeah, we're just friends. Fast forward two days later, then we were not friends. N what a not just friends. What a riveting fucking story. <laughs> Thank you. It was oh my a god. Lot. It was a, a lot happened. I also um I'm just gonna like take it back like a uh, uh, like a minute where you were like you were wearing a tank top and you shrugged your shoulders. I'm like it took him that long to notice that you're very pretty. What the fuck was he doing for the last, how many years was this? Uh, three, three years probably. What the fuck was he doing for the last three years of his life? All right, I'm just gonna like play that part of the podcast for him. When well, he, he it, like, to it. well I'm, I also like, I like the idea that it's your shoulder. Like it was there just like like a, a, a muscular piece of arm that he was like, ooh. <laughs> Those that's how you know he's a <laughs> so we know he's a keeper it wasn't like and then your cleavage showed and that was that was it for me it was like just a weird shrug of the shoulders and that was it well I actually think that is so it's so fascinating that you can he can pinpoint the exact moment where his eyes opened um to I mean maybe your beauty but also maybe your potential as a sexy partner what a great story I love stories of long-term affection come coming to fruition uh that's 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 a that's an anime right there a slice <gasps> of life anime i might i might turn it into a, a film treatment one day or something I, I i also think it's a cute story especially i think amongst my friend group i think it might be kind of like the most exciting like quote unquote exciting one i mean are your other friends stories like my story where i swiped right on okcupid until i found someone that i oh, swiped left on okcupid until i found someone who i thought was pretty cute and then I was like yeah, okay he's pretty cute yeah it's more or less that which I also think is really a cute story because how often does that really actually work out you know I don't actually know I've met um like one of my friends I think they're married now um and they met each other on tinder um Aww. 
Good for them. They're very cute. They own a cat, I believe, and they live in Ottawa. Oh, nice. Yeah. Capital of romance. Not only the capital of Canada, but the capital of romance. Well, I hear it's the capital of poutine, um, which I think maybe, or I think it's like the best place to get poutine east of Quebec. Yeah, that checks out. Mm. I don't. I can't argue with that, mostly because all the poutine here in Vancouver is trash. So is I believe it. It's not, it's like, it's fine. But anyone who's like been to the East and had real poutine comes back and it's like, oh, it's, it's not quite the same. Well, I, the only poutine I remember eating a lot was getting smokes poutinery after going clubbing on Granville Street. Oh, like odd. a Vancouver, like a ritual. Truly, you can't say you've lived here until you've done that. Oh my god, yeah. I would go clubbing only so I could eat the late night poutine because I don't enjoy clubbing because like it's always too expensive to get as drunk as I need to get to enjoy clubbing. Especially in Canada. Especially in Canada. Oh my god. Uh, Actually, I had one good clubbing experience in Canada. Yeah, I went I went to a I went to a gay night and um, I I made out with my friend who was the person who introduced me to my own bisexuality many years ago. But then like some mean older lesbians told us to get out of there. (gasps) Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, okay. in in their defense, we like sat at their table and started making out. (laughs) So like I was definitely the asshole, but she could have delivered that. (laughs) Um, Fair enough, but. It's, it's a gay night. It's fun. Everybody. <laughs> right. Night. Yeah. Um, okay. What did you know about sex before you had sex? Um, so I feel like I actually knew quite a bit about sex because I was like very like curious about it. I think like I, so my mom's strategy to teaching me about sex instead of like sitting me down and having the talk, she strategically left like the American girl care and keeping of you book. Like around that, just like left it like on on like the stairs or something one time because I was such a bookworm. I would like I would read anything, so I picked it up one day. I was like, oh, I don't. Where did this come from? Books just appear in this house because I have no concept of what money is, and like that's how I learned about sex. Um, or just like sort of like the the foundations of how babies are made. Um, but then from there, you know, I was like you know a child of the internet. And if you spend too long on the internet, especially in like the nerdy kind of alternative spaces that I was sort of gravitating towards, you see a lot of sex or like sexy adjacent things. Some of which I was like, ah, interesting. And some of which I was like, well, I'm a more broken person now. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) She said at 12 years old. Um, So I think before I had sex, I kind of like had a good idea of being like, okay, so, you know, it's like, I know the mechanics of it. I know it's not always like going to be perfect. And I also know that, you know, it's kind of kind of going to be a little messy, kind of be a bit gross, but I think it's also supposed to be fun. Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> there's, you know, there was still a lot of blank, you know, there's a lot of blanks that hadn't been filled in yet, but I think for the most part, I kind of had a more like holistic, like maybe realistic sense that like sex is not always super great and sexy for people. I think that's a super important lesson for young people who are just starting to have sex to learn. Like, I, yeah. I feel like that is one, I mean, I, I'll, sex education does a really great job of teaching you that heterosexual sex works uh, with a penis and there's a vagina and there's an insertion. I definitely remember a banana being pulled out in my sex ed class. Oh yeah, classic. 
uh, right? And like the one person who was brave enough to demonstrate rolling a condom onto the banana, who was like the hero for that day. <laughs> having flashbacks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But most people, most of the time you don't learn um, all of the like stuff that you should expect emotionally. Though I am kind of curious because uh, you were not the first person who has brought up American Girl books. What percentage of your sex ed came from American Girl books and what percentage of your sex ed came from sexy fan fiction? Ooh, okay, good question. I don't, I've never thought about that. Oh my God. Um, I think American Girl definitely came first. So, you know, it was just, it was also part of like the, oh, you're going to get your period soon. And like, you know, what do you do about girls who bully you and things, you know, it was a very whole, whole like, it's a very holistic look at growing up as a young woman in, in uh, North America. And um, so I think it gave me the foundation to kind of understand what would be coming in my neck and like in the next step of reading erotica and like smutty fan fiction or just like accidentally stumbling on porn. Do you remember LimeWire where you're like trying to download, I don't know, a TV show and then you'd be like, oh no, never mind, it's porn. Okay, maybe that was just my expression. Maybe that was just me. Okay, I use LimeWire to download things, but I only remember using LimeWire to download the like second Green Day album song <laughs> by song. <laughs> like, oh yeah, dark days, dark, <laughs> dark days. <laughs> um, yeah. Only getting files in .mp3 format kind of prevented me from seeing some porn. Um, oh, you know what? That's you're really lucky. <laughs> you're really, really lucky. Um, so to, to answer your original question, I would say maybe it was like twenty percent American Girl, and then the rest of that was like, woo. Okay, what are your? When did you start reading sexy fan fiction? Um, pretty pretty young I think so I like a memory I distinctly have is you know when you have your your IT classes in school and it was yeah. like don't go any to any porn sites because the pop-ups will happen and your the school will get a virus and it'll be all your fault and we'll know exactly who it was right wait, wait your your class had a PSA on porn on oh yeah well computer I class? Mean, kind of it was like don't go to porn websites or don't click on the ads in school. Do whatever you want in your own time, but you can't do it here. Wow. We did oh, not, we did not have that. Okay, to be fair, I think when I, the, my biggest memory of computer class is being in like fourth grade and we like made a website in Dreamweaver where I tried to make a tutorial on how to play Pokemon Sapphire, which is a game that I did very terribly in. Oh my God, I remember Dreamweaver too. We had to make a website like about ourselves. <laughs> uh, uh, and now everyone just uses fucking Squarespace or whatever. So bye. Right, yeah, um, we have a Winx, Winx, Winx exists. We don't need that anymore. Exactly. Okay, so sorry, I interrupted you. So you're in computer class. People were like, don't look at porn, guys. And yeah, you were don't like, look, oh, okay. Exactly. Don't look at porn. But I knew like the workaround. So I remember in this computer class is probably like at about like 12 or 11 years old because they trust us, like surf the internet to do a project about like a country or like a cult, like something, right? So they're like, do your own independent research, but don't click on any porn sites. Um, and I distinctly remember being like, I bet fanfiction.net does not count as porn because I use that at home and I've already like been exposed to like what we called like lemons like lemon fix at the time so I was like it probably would work so then I remember I could like be sitting there in class literally just reading like a wall of smut 
<laughs> like everyone was like doing their research around me so I'm like no one's gonna like look over my shoulder and like read it because you know the text is tiny it's just like a white page with blank text like black text and it just just kind of look like I'm researching and the pop-ups don't happen so as a long way of answering your question it was probably before I went to like it was probably around like ages 10 10 or 11 is when I really started doing that Oh my god, you are the ballsiest fucking 11-year-old I've ever heard of in my life. Well, I think it's because, like, it's very easy to not get caught with it. So, you know, it, like, it started very, like, innocently, I guess. You know, I would be on, like, fan websites and, like, you know, clicking around those because they're made by older people or, like, sometimes made by older people would have links to, like, fan fiction. Sometimes it would be, like, you know, M-rated or, like, something like that. And then I realized that, like, unlike, you know, watching traditional porn or, like, seeing, like, sexy pictures my parents who kind of like shared the same computer room as me couldn't see that, right? They just see that I was reading, like reading a book online or something. Right. And so I could like, it was very easy to do it and not get caught. So I think that's why it was, it's not actually, it was not as actually as ballsy as you're making out to be. I'm not, I'm not some hero. I got my pants <laughs> on one leg at a time, just like anybody else. I don't know. You're that, that's pretty heroic. I, that's really funny to me. Well, I, I wonder like, what was your experience reading kind of like smutty fan fiction? Like, did you, did you have like a personal context for it? Did you, did you, do you remember it being arousing or was it just something that like kind of tickled at you? Yeah, I think it was more out of curiosity at first because it like, I think I was too young to sort of have my own kind of like sexual awakening. Yeah, like it was just kind of like sex or like even kissing a boy or like kissing somebody was like, oh, gross. Boys smell. I don't want to do that. Um, But sort of like the idea of two characters that I liked, like kissing each other or like having sex was not as like gross to me, I guess. So I think it first started with me being like, oh, I really like this relationship between two people. I want to like see that relationship more in fan work. And then it would sort of like just inevitably I'd come across a story that had more like graphic content or like made more references to it. And then be like, oh, yeah, I enjoyed that. That felt like nice or like felt, you know, like narratively fulfilling. And I don't think it was anything sort of like physical for me at that point. That makes sense. I guess I'm just curious because like I've definitely also had my own experiences uh, and I don't know it was just like this like wild time in my life you know I was like super young or I had like or it was like before I've ever like had sex or kissed anyone it was even before I was like interested in the concept of those things being done to me I don't know it was like this like wild wild west where like anything goes because it's like all written down. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's no like vetting process, right? Anybody who has a fantasy or an idea can just like put that out there. And like, it's very, very cool. But at the same time, like, I think as a kid, sometimes you come across something you're not quite ready for too. And it's like, whoa, that was a lot of information to process. Oh my God. Yeah. Can I tell you a weird one? And will you tell me a weird one? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. All right. I think it was like on like, um, I don't remember what it's called, but it was like one of those websites that had like flash games of like yeah. varying levels of sexual explicitness. There were like lots of ones where this is a tower defense, which is fun. And then there are also ones which is like, this is like a playable novel that ends in like someone nutting all over. Ooh, interesting. Okay, I don't remember how I stumbled upon this. I was definitely quite young. And when I found it, I was like, oh dear. It was Naruto. Oh, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> 
I can't believe I just say these things and I put them on the internet for anyone to hear and associate with me. We all know. Um, now all of China knows you read Naruto's <laughs> Naruto visual novel. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, I think it was, I think it was like a, it was a lesbian. It was like Ten Ten, like the girl with the, that does weapons and only does weapons. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the sand lady with the fan. Oh, uh, what's her name? Tamari? I think maybe okay, irrelevant, she, has, like, but... spike, she has spiky hair and eventually marries um uh bored smart man Shikamaru yes yes no then that that's Tamari yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh my god I oh it, they and they like bowed and I think one of them grew a dick at some point oh, <laughs> like yeah. what's going on but like visually like you could see that yes oh, dang. yes um uh so that's a thing that I watched. I don't, I was, I think I was more scarred than aroused, but that's a thing that I remember just stumbling upon because the internet really is the wild west. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I think, so weirdly enough, my weird story also is Naruto adjacent. Oh, tell me. Okay, so it was kind of also the same thing I was trying, like on LimeWire, I was trying to download an episode of Naruto or, oh wait, no, this was actually... Oh, so I am going to bring, I am going to bring Christopher into this. Okay, so <laughs> this was Christopher. It was not me. That's right. Okay, so it was Christopher trying to download like an episode of Naruto. And sometimes back in those days, because you're right, it was the Wild West. If you downloaded the wrong episode, it would be like the file wasn't actually Naruto episode like 12. It would be like a, a hardcore hentai that someone oh, had mislabeled. No. Um, so I remember he, he being like, Emily, I think I found something really weird. Can I show you? And I was like, yeah, what's up? Like, what's up, buddy? I'm a cool older, older sister. And then he showed it to me and we were both sitting there like, oh my God. I can't. What? Oh my God. Um, so those scenes like were so vivid. They stayed with me forever. And sort of years later as an adult, I was kind of researching being like, what kind of vintage hentai is out there? Like, what was what was it like before the days of like cheap computer animation when someone had to literally like hand paint these cells oh. of like a penis, go, like a giant penis going into like a vagina or something? Holy shit! Um, yeah, it was wild. It was wild. Anime used to have to be made with a lot of love. Yeah, yeah. You know, you had whole like I mean, you still do, but you have like whole studios of people being like, "Yeah, my job is to draw these tentacles." Oh my god, doing things. So I found out later, it's actually a very classic, notorious, like, hentai, I think, called, like, Black Bible or something. So it's, like, it's very, it's, like, a, a cult classic that is, like, very famous amongst your, like, sort of older anime fans when it's, like, they had to bootleg the VHS and, like, that kind of, like, it's very, very old, very renowned in some circles. Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I think in some cases, I took this writing for children's class a while back, and the teacher was talking about how she has three boys and growing up they're I think like two years apart ish so she sort of had like you know a 10 year old an eight year old and a six year old at one point or something mm -hmm. and she would give them like you know sometimes they would just share books and she was saying like it was really interesting to see how the 10 year old would read a book and get one story or like get one lesson mm -hmm. and then the six year old would read the book and get sort of like something totally different or like would sort of glaze over some more complicated bits, but also still come away with something about like something that they learned. And she was like, it's really interesting how kids are able to sort of take what they're ready for and also just kind of like pass over the stuff that 
they're not quite able to comprehend yet or doesn't isn't quite relevant for them and then they come back to it another like couple years later and suddenly the story has opened up even more and I think for me a lot of that kind of translates into like the smutty fan fiction and things like that there I think there was so much that I read that I just like didn't know how to process mm. but it was also okay because like you know I would just kind of glaze over it yeah and then when I like returned to them when I was older I was like oh that's what that was okay I get that now or like um you know, I think there was one, I think it was like a queer romance that I'd read. I think they like gender swapped one of the characters or something. And like, I didn't like, I read that one. I had no idea. Like I had no idea. And then I read it like sort of even just a year later. I was like, oh, that's what this is. That's so interesting. I get like, I get it now. That is kind of cool. It's like, it makes sense, right? Because how is a kid going to know what they don't know? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's like, oh, these are just words that don't really build anything yet and then you sort of have a bit more life experience maybe you read more sort of in that same vein and it starts sort of like teaching you and then you learn and then you're like oh I have the vocabulary and I have the capacity for this now yeah well I wonder like what I mean now you're obviously like in a very different place in your life than you were when you were 11 and 12 and and reading a smutty fan fiction for the first time like how has your real life sex life compared to the like fantasies that you have read for quite a while now yeah I think it's very different because I think what I actually want or what I actually like is very like for myself is very different from what I like to read oh I'm I'm with you too yeah yeah you know it's like a place where you can just sort of explore like weird ideas and like fun things and like you know there's it's like a very safe place to try maybe even like weird or like darker ideas and that's like totally okay so I think for me like I'm personally just like a very vanilla person just like you know just like a little I just like a little bit of romancing I like a little bit of cuddling I like a little bit of foreplay and I like nothing too fancy right but I think for fan fiction I do what what I heard someone describe it as they were like I like reading about good people having good sex I'm like yeah that's what I like I like reading like good people doing good things and like good things to each other which are you know in various levels of kind of like kink but it's all like super fun for me I guess that makes sense I don't know I feel like you and your partners like good people doing nice things to each other I I guess like for the fan fiction side like I don't like I don't mind it question marks slash like almost prefer it when there's a little more like ooh, there's like more stuff stuff whereas I prefer not to have like the extra like bells and whistles that makes sense so I think it's like like the like the the reality just like sort of expanded upon perhaps or like you know no there's no money's no object they can have as many toys as they want (laughs) or like time is no object there's no such thing as needing like a long shower afterwards you know you can just sort of revel in the fantasy of everything being nice and clean I'm, I'm with you. I kind of like a little bit more meat on my bones, meat on the bones. Mm. So like if I'm reading an erotica, uh, which I yeah. tend to read erotica rather than watch porn because I found that like the disconnect between what I wanted and the porn I was watching was like more like, I, it, like it caused more cognitive dissonance when I actually had sex. Whereas if I'm just reading stuff, I'm just like, oh, this is all fantasy. The stuff that I like to read is definitely like way more elaborate I I have to say I think I search out erotica specifically ones with like extremely elaborate backstories I'm so fascinated by them yes and because then the payoff is so good you know like then you have all this story going on you're like oh yeah and then like they bang and you're like oh yes I was waiting for this it's so good I'm 
Okay, can I can I tell you the plot of the weird erotica that I had read? Oh, hell yeah. Okay, this one this one's very weird. Or it's uh not weird. Well, there's not actually a better word for it than weird. <laughs> I love weird. Weird is great. We love weird. Okay, so so in it, a couple moves into a high-rise building and a couple doors down or a couple floors down, there are a pair of Armenian brothers that run a side business collecting human milk to sell on the black or gray market. Oh my god. Um and this woman whose husband has like a, a, a small a small dong or whatever, um, she's like really into this. So like she goes in and talks to them because she doesn't have a job. Right. And they tell her that like, mm, you have good sized nipples. So you'll probably be really good at producing milk for us. And they're like, they're, they're like, can we demonstrate? And they suck on her nipples and she's not pregnant or anything. So she's take like a bunch of these like drugs ordered from Canada to like in, induce lactation. Oh my God. <laughs> I know this, it's so elaborate. Um, and then she like takes these drugs in which eventually induces lactation. And the first day that she starts lactating, she is so excited by it that they have sex. This person did so much research to get to like this this single point of being like, okay, how can how can like a, a person with breasts induce lactation without being pregnant? Where can I get these drugs? And like, what else would you have to do? And like, what does it feel like <laughs> to be lacto? Oh my god, their Google search history. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I. I mean, I I love the ingenuity that comes into writing funny erotica. Like, there's a there's a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, um, and I like that it. It feels like to me that it's a story that doesn't take itself super seriously. Yeah, which I think definitely is lacking in porn, where it's like you know there's a thing and it's really epic and there's music playing. Whereas I think there is some sort of like you know felt like a wink wink when there's in like erotica, especially erotica written by or like for women is that there is just really like, this is silly and it's fun and we just enjoy having a good time together. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that's one of the things that I like stopped liking about porn too. It's like the dudes always look super serious. They're always just like, they're grunting and their like eyes are downcast and they're like frowning a little bit. And they're just the like thwack, thwack, thwack of hips to butt. And it like, it doesn't look like anyone's having fun in any of them. And especially like when you read sort of like, I don't know, like exposés about the porn industry and it's like, yes, they're all consenting adults, but you know, like, like any movie set, you're doing multiple takes, you're working long hours, like it's really not, it's not fun, I guess. So like the environment is not fun. And then the product just doesn't feel very fun either, like welcoming or like warm. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting to think about? Most of, most people's like, visuals of what porn is supposed to look like or what sex is supposed to look like is going to come from porn and if they come from porn they're most likely going to be people who are like underpaid overworked and doing the same scene for a really long time it's I don't know yeah and I like like you I think I like dipped into porn was like well what's what's the fuss all about and was like oh I don't like this I'm going back to my happy little land of like page after page of fun descriptions and like things like that because yeah it was like the visuals of it just felt very like jarring and like not what I like to see or like wanted to experience like the fan like that fantasy felt so much more like ah, like the word isn't violent I guess but it felt so it felt like it pushed me away more than it wanted to like bring me in to enjoy the moment 
Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. I feel like in erotica versus porn, in erotica, you have all of this time to like enjoy the kind of like buildup and the tension and you get to see these people interact and it's fun and you can understand like their dynamics and you can see all of the things that they enjoy. Whereas in porn, like these two people are trained to be able to perform sex really well but they're probably not going to put that much effort into the like two minute scene beforehand where one person is dressed up as a pizza man and the other person is dressed up as a milf who doesn't have enough lunch money that day it's so true and it's like i think there's the porn cliches but then you have like you know on the other side of that maybe you have like you know the coffee shop story and it's like, oh, I could read a million of those. You know, I could read a freaking million of these coffee shop stories. But after I see like one or two pizza men, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Like, you know, this, there, there's no value anymore for me because I guess there's no like emotional connection there, right? Yeah. You know, with the coffee shop stories, you have like, oh, but they just need enough money to like graduate college or like, oh, they come back to help with their mom and they need a part-time job or like, oh, this is like a job that they just really like and they're really good at. Like, you know, there's just endless potential for characterization and endless potential for chemistry and relationships. And it just feels so much richer. I wonder if any of this is because we're both fiction people, like we're, we're both book people. I mean, um, uh, little secret for the listeners, Emily and I went to the same creative writing program for undergrad, so which is where we met. Though I don't think we ever overlapped in any of our years. By the time I entered the program, you had graduated. Yeah, I think it was like, I was on my final year and you were just, just about to enter the program. Yeah. And then I graduated and then you started. I was like, bye. Which is a shame. I would have loved to do a workshop with you. It would have been fun. It would have brought up the number of Asian people per class from <laughs> one to two. <laughs> In any uh, class that I'm in, which, you know. The ratios, the ratios are always very low. Did I tell you, I asked my mom this once. I was like, mom, there's really not that many Asian people in my class. And she was like, well, daughter, most Asian parents are successful in convincing their children to go down a more lucrative and stable path in their future. You, I don't really know what happened. And I was like, thanks, mom. But I mean, I think that's a a huge privilege too. Like, I think kind of like you, my parents are always kind of worried. Like, are you sure you don't want to like do law instead, or like oh, (laughs) because like you're good at writing, you could be a lawyer, or even like a teacher or something like you know something that they understood as like a career, right? But I think it also not only speaks to like our like strength of character to be like, no, this is what I want, this is what I'm gonna do. I'll like I'll find a way to do it myself but also like for them to be like you know what like to trust you to do that and like to follow your dreams and do what you wanted instead of being like hey you know what she might resent me for the rest of her life but at least she'll be a lawyer yeah and like I don't know how many of it I mean I'm a little bit older than you so maybe like you know the shift has is just starting to happen for me but I think a lot of people that I know who like went and did those kind of like lucrative or like stable degrees ended up just being like very unhappy and then going back and doing like their the acting degree that they always wanted or something. Yeah, I, I definitely know people like that. Like one one of my friends in high school, he'd like gotten to this extremely prodigious like pre-med program at Brown, but then realized that he just like hated it. Um, and he like dropped out. Now he's in LA making art. I've honestly though, most of my friends when I was in high school were part of the robotics team. So oh, right. yeah, nerds. Yeah. So like most of my friends were like nerds who went on to do nerd things and they're like oh yeah this is awesome I just get a cat and think about math all day which is 
you know, not my, my life, but I'm happy for them. They're happy. That's all that matters. Oh my gosh. That's so cute. <laughs> I I'm, I'm happy for them too. Speaking of your parents. Yes. <laughs> Oh, are we bringing my parents into this? <laughs> well, I was actually just going to ask, were your parents ever affectionate with each other? What was your kind of like personal experiences with affection in relationship settings? Ooh, um, I think my parents have always been like the cool parents. I remember, you know, my dad would pick me up and he'd be like, oh, let's go get ice cream afterwards. And it's like, you know, I'd be with my friend. He's like, does your friend want to come too? And my friend would be like, oh my gosh, your dad is so cool. I think, you know, part of it is because he's, you know, he's kind of, he's a bit of a nerd, but he just like is a really like truly a family man. Like he loves spending time with me and my brother. I think up and like, maybe even still, like my dad will like be like, before he like sends us off somewhere, it's like, okay, kiss, kiss. And me and my brother be like, oh, my <laughs> <laughs> it's like really cute and wholesome. So my dad has always been the one who's like very openly affectionate and like, you know, would every time that I left to go somewhere like to a new country or something and just like he's the one at the airport like crying Aww. where my mom was like stop it stop it people are staring people are staring and he had never called my mom like by her name it's always honey so like oh honey can you go get the thing and honey this honey that which is really cute um and he and my mom I think are like good friends which I think is a good stable foundation and like you know when they, we go out they hold hands and like he's always like sometimes it's a little much but sometimes he like you know pinches her butt <laughs> for around it's like no dad stop but it was very like actually growing up it was very normal for my dad to kind of like physically kind of like tease my mom and then Christopher and I growing up were like that's just a thing that dads do and then as we got older we're like oh no this is not a thing that all dads do maybe we should be a little more embarrassed dad stop it um so it's actually very wholesome it's really sweet so if my dad is kind of like the stereotypical like you know horny husband or like you know horny man right my mom is very much like the the, the prude where she's like don't touch me like that in front of the kids or something or he'll like make a sex joke and she'll be like I don't get it <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand Dad, I've never seen a penis in my entire life. The fact that I have two kids means a massive exception, guys. We thought you were laid out on our doorstep one cold November evening, and by the goodness of our hearts, we brought you in. I have never seen a penis. And the fact that we all have the exact same face is just a lucky coincidence. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just prayed. I prayed to the Jesus so hard. And look what happened. But then, you know, I do also think my parents have this kind of like old conception where it's like the kids can't know that the parents have sex. So it'll be like my mom, when you ask her, oh, May, where did you go for your honeymoon? She'll go, oh, I went to Greece. And my dad will go, well, you didn't go to Greece with me. She's like, oh, no, that's right. I went with my my ex-boyfriend to Greece and I went to Portugal with, with you, Wayne, my husband. And I'm like, bitch, you spent two weeks in Greece with your boyfriend. Do you think... I don't know you didn't bone like in that hotel every night. Oh, mom. (laughs) Right? Like, come on. Stop pretending. It's like, why would you book a hotel? Why would a couple book a hotel room? Be like, yes, two separate beds, please. We are Christian children. (laughs) (laughs) Like to the point, like she didn't tell her mom that she was going to Greece. And this, you know, back in the day where there wasn't email and it wasn't so easy to call she just kind of like fucked off for two weeks and grandma chen was none the wiser right so it's like no one knew where you were you're on a 
beach in Greece in this tiny ass bikini. And I've, I've seen my mom at age like 20, right? She was like, she was really freaking hot. So I'm like, there's no way you weren't having sex. There's no way you did not bone down in that hotel room. I'm not trying to make it weird, but you do have an attractive family. All right, that's it. I'm going to- No, no, that's it. No, I, I acknowledge that. Everyone in my family is very pretty. You know, when I shaved my head, and you know how we joke, Christopher and I have the same face. Oh my However, God, that fucked me up so hard. <laughs> I was like, wow, when did Christopher get boobs? Like, <laughs> No, but that, I was going to say that I think that's when I realized I was like, oh, Christopher's the better looking sibling. Okay. I don't look good with a shaved head. No. Oh my God. You guys are both super attractive. Mm. How dare you? It's okay. You can admit it. Christopher, I don't, I don't mind saying that. I can admit that. I'm big enough. Oh, I, I honestly just disagree. I'm bisexual, so you guys are both fair game for, for my horny eyeballs. Is that a weird thing to say? All right. No, no, keep going, please. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> no, you guys are both really attractive. You guys both have, like, the cute nose and the eyebrows that actually exist and the, like, the perfect little smile. No, you guys are both hot. It's weird. Okay. Okay. I, I, okay. My parents were not, they're not affectionate people, which is weird because I am me, but I have this like one memory that is my only indication that I think my parents used to bone. So all right. when I was young, my parents used to leave me home alone for a couple hours in the evening. And like, not, not for too long. I was like maybe five or I was maybe seven and yeah. Okay. Maybe it's irresponsible to leave a kid between the ages of five and seven home alone. But like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to watch SpongeBob SquarePants. Like it's, it's, true. it's fine. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't going to do anything. I was not a like turn on the stove kid. They trained you well. It was leading up to this moment. <laughs> like we have to get her ready so we can leave her alone at five years old. <laughs> she has to be prepared. I, I, I was prepared. I was like, it's okay, mom and pop. I'm going to microwave a Michelin, a frozen meal. I'm going to watch my SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm fine. That's so cute. So they would go off and they would come back a couple hours later. And I was like, where did you guys go? What did you guys do? And they didn't come back with any groceries. They didn't come back with anything. And my dad would say in Chinese, we were off hunting wolves, which Ooh. I totally took at face value back then. I'm like, but now I'm thinking, I'm like, three hours or like two hours that is like approximately enough time to like drive off to a local hotel get a little boning in drive back and like you know california is so famous for its wolves uh this was back when i was living in like toronto adjacent oh okay never mind never mind in in the gta yeah there were no fucking wolves there like i don't know what my parents were doing i'm gonna hope for them that it was sex oh damn hunting wolves what does that say about your mom's uh situation (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea i i i am not brave enough to ask my parents anything about sex i know for a fact they've at least had sex twice but because i have another sibling but that that's it that's all i got um yeah say my parents are very much like as fun and flirty as they like to be the minute it comes to sex they're like no we've never done it ever (laughs) or like we've done it twice (laughs) twice and that was it oh that's so funny well but I think it's so awesome though it's like so great to hear that your dad um because your your parents have been married for quite a while right married quite late so compared to like other friends my age they're not they haven't been together for like that long but I think they're coming up on 30th it's like either late 20s or like 30 out of 30 years 
30 years is five more years than I've been alive. 30 years is like as a concept is I haven't been doing anything for 30 years except for literally nothing because it's older than me. But like the only thing that is consistent in my life is eating, shitting and breathing. <laughs> like that's that's it. Uh, so I'm an expert at eating now, so. Oh, I am actually, I'm still bad at eating. Like I'll eat like a tuna fish sandwich and still end up with tuna in my hair somehow. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why I'm like this. So it's quirky. It's charming. I, it, it, is it quirky, charming, or is it just like fucking messy? And should I just <laughs> like grow up, you know? Who, who am I? Who do I think I am? <laughs> uh, eat someone with too much ADHD to have good table manners, but it's, it's fine. Um, but I was going to say, it's awesome to hear that even though your parents have been in a relationship this long, like there, there's still a lot of affection there. I, I was going to ask you, you've been with your partner for a while, right? Yeah. I mean, I think we're coming up on five years now. I need to double check that with him, but he's not here right now. So, uh. Well, five years is also still longer than like most relationships and people I've been in. Actually, most of relationships I've seen have been like, have kind of crumbled in quarantine. I mean, who can blame, you know, you spend 24 hours a day with somebody. I feel like, you know, when they're like, oh, that's so sad. They like animals only do that in captivity. Do you know, it's like, this is not a normal way to live. Like it kind of, it makes sense that, you know, under normal circumstances, if you moved in with somebody, you wouldn't still wouldn't be spending literally every waking moment of the day breathing the same air as them yeah it's a yeah it's it's a hard time to like exist and like be in love right now it's yeah totally understandable but yes kind of the same well I was gonna ask you what what has um mating in captivity aka fucking in quarantine been like mating in captivity um it's definitely been a challenge I think you know I'd say the best sex I ever had was like like a marathon or a two-day long marathon of sex and I think now it's like the complete opposite of that we're like we can go for like two three weeks and just be like oh shit we haven't had sex in a really long time like we're both so busy with just like stuff but then also like because we have a foster dog right now so she takes up a lot of time but also like the mood is just not there like the the drive is like completely evaporated. It's gone. We've sacrificed it for our health, you know? And I think that's been really difficult. And I do think that sort of parts of our relationship have definitely like started like rubbing in like raw ways because of this sort of like lack of physical intimacy. It was getting to a point where I was getting really frustrated because Alex doesn't sort of need to have sex as much as I do. Whereas I'm personally kind of like every two days kind of deal. And he's like, a, you know, once a week and I'm pretty good. Um, so I was like, okay, we need to start making effort because this is like causing arguments and it's causing fights, like just the fact that we're not having sex. So I was like, okay, we're just gonna, we're gonna do the schedule thing. We're gonna be like Friday is sex night. And you know, like we can reschedule, but if like we reschedule, it goes to Saturday. It's like, we're just bumping it back a single day. And it's like, you know, the schedule has also still been like a bit of a rickety experience, you know, growing pains and all that. But I think it has sort of the, act of being like we have to do this or like we're booking out time for it means that we're consciously thinking about it and consciously trying to make that effort and that's good I think I really love that because I'm, I'm I'm with you I've been dating my current partner for like two and a half years which is a little different from five but we've been experiencing the exact same thing where like it's not a conscious part of our thoughts necessarily because there's so many other things that we're thinking about and everything takes place in the space. Like yeah. the space that I work in is now 
also the space that I do everything in the space that he works in. He works in our bedroom. Like the place that he works all day is now the place that we sleep and he works out. And it's hard for all of that stuff to also include sex. I really like the idea of the schedule. Cause it's like, you're right. It's now it's a thing that's on your mind to do. We were actually just having a conversation about this yesterday where he was like, honestly, like you, you wear like your giant UBC sweatshirt and your like large yoga pants uh, with like the drawstring waist that make your legs look all floppy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was like, it's not that I don't find you attractive. It's just that like what you're wearing does not necessarily excite me which is totally fair but I don't even think about it because I'm like well if I live where I if I live where I sleep in my shit like I guess I guess I just be comfy all the time yeah and it's like because those are like period clothes right so like because when I have my period I'm like only big sweaters and big pants and I'm comfy and then I realize working and living in the same space and never having to go out is like why can't I just be comfy all the time right yeah been a revelation you're right has kind of hurt my sex life a little but you know at what cost at what, at what cost yeah yeah how has the schedule been going you said it's been a little rickety but it seems just tell me about it um, yeah I think it's a little rickety just because you know the first time you sort of like schedule something weekly of course you're gonna be like oh shoot I forgot that this week I said yes to something else because I forgot that there's now this like permanent fixture in our schedule, right? So it'll be like, oh, right, shoot, I forgot. I said I would Zoom my friend that night. I can cancel on them. And it'll be like, no, 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 talk to your friend. We'll just move it to Saturday or something. Or it'll be like, you know, sometimes you really just aren't feeling it, right? You know, as much as you really want and you have been waiting all week for it or like waiting all day, then you like the moment comes and you're just like, I got nothing. I am dry and empty. I'm a dry well of abs of emptiness. The void, the void is here in our bed with us. Um, and if that's the case, then we just like, okay, we'll do some just like naked cuddling for a little bit. You know, if, it, if something happens, it happens, but it's nice to just have like skin on skin contact. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. Cause I think, you know, sex, you know, is, you know, again, I talk about it like it's like P in V boom, 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 sex. But you know, sometimes it is just kind of like, you know, some touching, some snuggling, some like some kissing, some heavy petting, like, and that's sometimes that just has to be enough, right? You know, you make that effort, you try to make it a habit. So yeah, the growing pains have, some, have like sort of been the either double booking or like when the moment comes, it's just like nothing, nothing's going on. But I think having like the time blocked out for like Emily and Alex time, this is where we think of sexy things has been definitely been like more conducive and more like fulfilling in the way that just going two weeks without having sex. Cause like the moment never struck us is so much better. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's part of the issue where, like, at least at least for me, it's like, I don't even know when sex gets initiated. Yeah. Like, when's a good time? Actually, we were talking about this yesterday where, where he told me he was like, okay, like, for example, today I was feeling my horniest between 8.30 and 9.45. So Precisely. It, so he made a move during that time. I would have been like into it. But I think I, I was doing something else that time. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, maybe you're not trying to pick up on those signals either. So, you know, you might be busy like doing work because it's like, oh, it's like nine o'clock. I should be like, you know, clocking in a little bit, you know, getting some work done because I'm feeling productive. And then they're over there like, mm-hmm. and you just sort of like, 
oh, you seem like in a, you're in a good mood. And then just like go right back to like your work, right? So, you know, I think it's a, you know, it may be a bit of a communication thing. It's like, you know, if you're feeling it, just tell me because I, I won't know. Because, um, you know, I think working together also kind of trained to ignore the other person because yeah. you want to like, you have to create a space no matter like how small or how open, right? You know, our place is just like one room. That's all we got. Oof. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, so we're just always in each other's space. So the fact that, so I've kind of like trained myself to just kind of ignore him. And even if he was like putting out the vibes, I would be like, block, deke, reject. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I'm busy and you are busy. And not realizing that, like, oh no, those weren't busy vibes. That was let's get busy vibes, shit. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. That is really interesting. It's actually like super heartening to hear that there's another, I mean, I know a lot of couples are going through stuff like this, but it's just like, it's just nice to hear that. Like, it's not, it's not just us. Yeah, totally. Same. I, I started seeing a a sex therapist because I have problems, which is fine. Um, And she was telling me that she has, some of her clients are actually coming back after not seeing her for many years because- Interesting. Because the quarantine has been like a really hard time for yeah, a lot of couples. For sure. I might just like throw a little time on the Google calendar. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm booking a, a, a corporate meeting. Yeah. And I think I read somewhere where someone was like, it sounds really unsexy to like schedule sex, but like, think about it like a date night or like something you're looking forward to. You would schedule that, right? You know, you want to hang out with your friend. So you put it in your calendar because you're like, hey got to do it or you know I'm looking forward to it or like oh we're having like a nice dinner somewhere you put it in the calendar because you got to make the reservations and you got to like make sure that all your work is done in time right so it's like sex is also something that you look forward to that you that you want to do and you want to make happen so put it in your schedule because then you can't double book it and then you are like sort of you're committed to it you can't just kind of be like oh shoot something else came up or like oh like I've just really I'm almost done with this project can we do it another time um yeah, and it, and also like no loss if it doesn't end up working. So we're coming to the end of our podcast. Um, at the end of the podcast, no. I always like giving people an opportunity to ask me a little question. Um, do you have a question for me? I do. Um, so in the I guess in the spirit of talking about sexy reading and sexy books, what would you say is your favorite romance trope or like you know smut trope? And what do you think it says about you as a person? Ooh. Ooh, that is an interesting one. Um, I think like what I what I like kind of like fluctuates depending on kind of like just what I'm what I'm feeling uh, for the day. But right now I have been kind of I've been really enjoying professor student fantasies. Oh, nice. And I, I like it both ways. I like it when there is a, a professor who is like seducing a student and being like, you want to get good grades? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you got a pussy to eat or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I also like it the other way where it's like a student and they're like, I know this is taboo, but like, you're so into me. I'll, I'll, I'll make this happen. I think in, in sex, I kind of enjoyed like differentials in power. I think that, uh, you know how like Ali Wong has a bit in Baby Cobra where she's like, women who wear glasses like this always love a little, ah! you know, oh she- yeah. <laughs> 
I think I'm a little bit like that. Like I'm yeah. definitely a bitch who's in charge all the time in my life. Yeah, I yeah. kind of relish uh, a short opportunity to not be in charge. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I, I think I think that's how those two things relate. What about you? Hmm, I was. So I'm in the, I, for the first time in my life ever, I've always been a connoisseur of fan fiction. I've never actually written it myself. It was the first time in my life because pandemic stress, I started writing something. Oh my God. It's not like really fun. It's been very cathartic. Um, and I sort of asked, so Alex is a really good editor and I like, apparently, as he says, my spelling is whimsical. So <laughs> what you get for having like undiagnosed like, dyslexia for your entire life is suddenly you have to read back your own work and it's like, oh, oh dear. You have um, diagnosed dyslexia? Yeah, when I was, so basically when I was really little, my mom, my parents got me a, like a tutor just to kind of like, you know, round things out a little bit. And my tutor was like, oh, I think you have dyslexia, but it's like, you know, a very mild case. And it got to the point where like, I could, like my brain just kind of like fixed it for me. Mm-hmm. So like when I read now, like it's sort of, I read at a normal speed, I write pretty well. Like I never knew that people actually just know how to spell things. Whereas I am just kind of like, oh, anyone's guess is as good as mine. I don't like read letters. I just kind of like see words. And then when I started learning Japanese, when I moved to Japan is when I realized like, oh, there's actually like this huge mental block in my like input and output where it would be like, you know, the written question in Japanese in a language that I didn't like, that my brain couldn't automatically correct. I'd be like writing, you know, I, you know, the question would be like, you know, how old are you? And I'd be like, I am set like, you know, 22 years old. And then I like, you know, check the answer and be like, how could I have gotten that so wrong? You know, like I realized like my letters were just all over the place and like in completely the wrong order. It'd be like, you know, they'd like read this passage and like answer these four questions about the passage. And like, again, the, it'd be so desperately different that I was like, obviously something is really like wrong here. And then I thought back to that too. It was like, oh, I think you have a mild case of dyslexia. And I was like, oh, I think that might be it. I just like, my brain fixed it for me when I was young, but now that I'm doing something that it can't fix is when it's really coming out. Um, but anyway, so Alex edits my work for me um, to keep my spelling less whimsical and consistent with how other people spell things. Boring, if you ask me. <laughs> and um, he said that, oh, I've noticed that sort of like a trope that you seem to like isn't sort of like, you know, enemies to lovers or like you know, strangers to lovers. It's kind of like idiot friends. <laughs> to lovers oh my god so like I love characters who are just like real dumb and like dumb together and then like with their dumbness combined they become a great like couple I love that that's so (laughs) cute that's what that's what I love so we talking like 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 two gay women who are like have like a big crush on each other but both like this is my really good friend Betty oh absolutely absolutely it's like we get into shenanigans all the time and we have like great banter and chemistry but like I want to say it's like they're just super asexual until they're not it's just kind of like it's not like mutual pining because there's no kind of like but she'll never look at me the way I look at her it's just kind of like they're great buddies and great friends until like a moment like there's a moment and they're like (laughs) Um, and I do and I think I wonder if that's kind of like what happened like to me I'm kind of like processing that in a way because it very much is like we were pals and there was no kind of like mutual pining even though like you know I said I had a crush but it wasn't like he'll never love me back it was just kind of like that's a thing that's a way that I exist I guess um so I like the idea of just like great idiot friends 
suddenly becoming or like eventually becoming a great idiot couple. That is great. I that's really sweet. I love that. What fiction are you fanning? Well, you know, to just in the uh, how do you say, like you know the setup, the payoff, or just all bringing they're bringing everything full circle. I am 14 years old again, and I'm writing Naruto fan yes! fiction. Yes! Oh, this is the best answer. Oh, I'm so happy. It's in from the start to finish, it all it all came back to one place. Oh, thank God. Oh, I was embarrassed sharing my Naruto story, but now I'm so glad I did. Who are your characters? So my secret ship for like years and years was always like Sakura and Kakashi. And I don't know really why, because I was never like a big person who was into like teacher-student relationships. I really preferred it when they were like either like a same as like a same age alternate universe mm-hmm. or like, you know, she like grown up and it was like long, long past that kind of initial thing. Um, but I think there's just something about the characters that I liked in the story where I was like, if only these characters are given justice by a writer who truly could not care less about what these people do. Um, so I think this was me being like, all right, I am taking these characters and what I like about them and redoing everything. That is the funniest thing I've heard in my entire life. That makes me so happy. Well, okay, because I always thought Kakashi, I always thought Kakashi was kind of sexy. Like that's like he has like he's that mystique. Like he is actually okay. It's been a really long time since I've watched this show, but he was like he was always like very funny and he was always kind of aloof and um and Sakura was always like the very opposite of those things. Exactly. I think I like the way that those like pair out and it never really, you never really saw that dynamic in the show or the manga. It was always like Naruto and Sasuke like butting heads. Yeah. But I was like, there's a perfectly good other sort of like butting heads team dynamic over on the other side. If only, if only this writer liked women. <laughs> if, if only. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't <laughs> that be unstoppable. <laughs> Would be unstoppable. I, I will, okay, I know, I know this is going to reveal me to be like the most basic of basic bitches, but I was actually very happy when Naruto and Hinata uh, got married or whatever. I don't know why I was into it, but I was. I think we, we stan a girl who stands her ground and was like, I always believed in him. Yeah. I think I was, it was more from Hinata's sake and I think for Naruto's sake but it was very much like she got what she wanted she did good for her she did I actually I still remember this okay I remember this arc I know I was like the podcast is gonna end but now I just want to talk about Naruto <laughs> no, no I'm just gonna talk about Naruto it's fine I have time I do this to everybody where I'm just like all right all right I know we have things to catch up on but Naruto. I, we definitely have to talk about Naruto because I used to watch Naruto like every like summer or, or winter like whenever I was like went back home to Toronto to visit my parents or my mom but now my mom lives in California so and I can't just watch Naruto every two weeks when I go to her house to do laundry so I mean um, I mean I mean I guess I could I, I remember there's this like one arc that's in the first series so it's not in Shippuden um, but they're looking for Sasuke and they got to like go to this forest and there's like a magical bug that's really good at sniffing. And it's like bug guy eating food boy, Hinata, Naruto, and someone else. Maybe, I don't remember. Um, but I remember there's a scene where Hinata like sneaks out of the camp so she could practice her like uh, water, uh, chi, 
uh move where she like does a bunch of circles and she's she's naked she is naked in the moonlight oh my gosh she's naked she's naked in the moonlight you don't see any nipple but you see her pile of clothing she's out there titties out on the water <laughs> titties out on the water i saw goody proctor dancing with the devil <laughs> and not a dancing with the but no, but Naruto has to go and like take a like a take a whiz or whatever. And he sees this like beautiful woman in the water doing like her, you know, uh, Tai Chi shit. Um, and he's like, whoa, beautiful woman. And then she notices him and gets shy and like runs away. And the next morning he's like, oh, I saw this beautiful woman. Oh my gosh, she was so pretty. She was doing all this shit. And Hanada's there being like, it was me this whole time. Oh, don't even remember this so like even this was play by play felt like very immediate for me and i was like oh you know, I know. <laughs> sweet baby angel who's never done anything wrong in her entire life i know uh, uh yeah i don't know why i like tanada so much because like there's so many things about her personality like she's like she's timid and she's shy and those things are so not like me but maybe i like gravitated towards her because of that I was like oh these are like parts of me that I wish I was able to express more but um I'm too busy defying my parents and breaking the law so hey you know it takes a lot out of a girl right but I'm curious what is okay I know yeah I know you said podcast over but now I just want to know um what do you find is like the character type that you gravitate towards like I know I have a friend who every time we start a new show or started a new show I'm not really in touch with her anymore she'd always kind of like the mom like tough older sister characters were her favorite Ooh. okay I I know in general I also think that like the like types of characters in anime versus like kind of like western cartoons which I am actually like a little bit more familiar with are very very different um but uh characters that I love um I I really love okay I really love like coded queer characters in western cartoons like I love Marceline I love um Garnet of the Crystal Gems uh I love Rosa Diaz in Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh which is not a cartoon Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um I think and not queer coded either now no queer no now they're straight up now they're all just queer whoa whoa wait they're all just queer oh my god wait oh my god oh wait Oh no. I like gay women. <laughs> That's what I like. I like gay the fuck women. I like it when they're gay. Yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot. And in anime, I think my one of my some of my favorite characters in anime, um, I'm gonna think Hunter X Hunter. I have a lot of characters I really love. I really love Gon, who is the main character, who I know he's just like such a good boy who sees the best in everyone, and that I really love. Um I hate everyone in fucking Neon Genesis Evangelion, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. I, I guess I, it's like also what I liked in um, Magical Girl Utena? Utena? Oh, yeah. yeah. Utena. I was going to wear my Utena shirt today, but then I was like, I'm going to wash it instead. Well, yeah, but then you um, wore your Sailor Moon shirt. So I think oh, my life is, you know, pretty great. Just getting to look at this. What are What are your characters? I love a character. Usually they, they tend to be male characters, but sometimes you get them as like, women too which I like particularly like but it's um I like the ones who are very good at things but don't like doing them so it'll be like oh I'm really like so and so is a genius at this but the person just like yeah but I just like don't want to or like yeah but I'm just like really lazy like Shikamaru yeah pretty much yeah (laughs) 
I love a good character who's like, I know many things, but I'm just going to like leave. I hate responsibility. So you guys take care of it. I, I love that too. I'm like, a, to have so much power and be so uninterested in wielding it. I think it's a very interesting dynamic. Yep, exactly. So that's, that's my, that's my character type. <laughs> okay well I think I think the podcast is actually coming to a close now thank you so much for your time I wanted to ask is there anything you want to plug uh yes so I am currently the poetry editor for prism and we've just put out well we didn't just put it out we put out a call out for our next issue which is going to be themed wonder and however you choose to interpret that I would love to see some of your poetry if you feel so inclined it's a, I think it's a three dollar reading fee for entry, but if you are a low income writer or a writer who identifies as Black or Indigenous, we've waived the entry fee for you. Just email me your work, no problem. But yeah, I'd love to get some more writing. We love sort of like I love translations. I love writing from diverse voices. Um, I really want to try to make this issue something really special and um, hopeful. I think we've had a lot of kind of like dark pandemic issues so far, and I want to kind of like turn a corner and do something a little different. So yeah, send me your stuff. Um, Prism international magazine um you can do you can send me at prismpoetry at gmail.com and i'd love to see your work that's great can where can people look at past issues of prism good question um so past issues are available on our website we do sort of post work from the issues on like the website's blog so that's just prismmagazine.com i believe or you just google prism international magazine or the first thing that comes up um yeah take a click around we're we've got issue 59.3 coming out um and it's a really really great issue if anyone's interested in picking that up but yeah thank you so much for having me on this show Christina it's been so lovely oh, thank you for coming it's been really nice talking to you too I, I hope you have a nice rest of your day yeah you too thank you so much this felt like invigorated me for my weekend I'm so excited yeah gonna schedule some sex yeah I'm gonna like actually tonight is our sex night so I'm really excited dude like, high five yeah, do it yeah boom I hope you get fucked <laughs> Thanks. I hope so too. <laughs> if you like the best is yet to come, check us out at yettocome.com or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yet to come. This podcast was made in association with WOW. WOW, or We Are Half the World, is an organization dedicated to cultivating empathy for the Asian immigrant experience. We do this by telling stories and uplifting the voices of Asian artists. You can find us at wow.org. That's W-A-H-W dot O-R-G. Our theme song is Stand By by Himeko. You can find more of their work by searching for H-I-M-E-K-O on all major streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. Bye.